Angelina Jolie is salty. John Goodman versus spiders and Pokemon returns to the big screen this week on 30 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine. Each and every week, taking you back through across three decades, celebrating the anniversaries of 3020 and 10 years ago. Get it? Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with us? Real life Top Gun ripoff Diana Goodman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's me, Sarah, and I too love self loathing complaint rock that you can dance to. Oh, goodness. I don't even know what that's a reference (laughs) to yet, but we have a bunch of really fun stuff to talk to you about. It feel like nothing that made me as crazy as the previous couple weeks cuz summer I feel like this week is sleeper week. Yeah, I think I think they're giving like mm. th- those big hits of the July 4th weekend time to breathe so that's like a at bunch of counter programming. Yeah, and, at least in 2000 we've got some sleepers, I think. And again, kids, if you mm-hmm. don't know, summer used to be a time where they released movies in theaters. Movie theaters used to never mind. Uh but it's it's a confusing time to be alive. Uh I got some got a little bit of news to wage you into 1990 but of course we're recording from uh we're recording from july 17th to the 23rd in 1990 2000 and 2010 those are the decades we will be covering and odds are you're gonna love something that's in here oh i gotta give a shout out to our executive producer eric carlson patreon.com slash laser time and many other fine people out there making this show and every show on the laser time network happen uh you have a brand by the time you hear this you should have a brand new 30 2010 games uh, episode, as well as some bonus times. New Sick of Star Wars coming very soon. Cannot wait to tell you guys what's in store. Thank you guys so much for your support. Um, and we got some really cool stuff coming your way. Patreon.com slash laser time. Let's begin with some news in 1990, July 17th to the 23rd. <laughs> and, uh, oh, Sarah, you're going to love this. People's Magazine has declared Sexiest Man Alive. And it's uh, Tommy Tommy Cruise Cruise. Uh, Ooh, <laughs> yes, Thomas Mapather. He will My not babe. let that monotooth keep him down. That is something right. beautiful. Sarah pointed yeah. out to me that Tom Cruise <laughs> has a cartoon-like tooth in the center of his face. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of two teeth, he has one big one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, who could resist him wearing that mellow yellow fire suit? Oh, okay. Days of Thunder, I mean, man. right? I was just certainly not uh, Nicole Kidman. That's for sure. I was just about to ask that. So this is not cocktail era, Tom Cruise. Days of Thunder, Tom Cruise. Or Days yeah. of Thunder, Tom Cruise. We just yes. had that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he's just ramping up for the '90s, y'all. Like he's so. <laughs> my mom was going through our attic and dug out a like some of my old school stuff, and apparently in sixth grade, one of my projects was I had to make a vision board, like. For myself, what? and Tom Cruise is on there three times, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's now hanging up in my old room in my in my parents' home. <laughs> you, oh my god! Well, you you made a, a new Tom Cruise believer out of me. He's a wonderful person to see in films, even when they're not mm-hmm. great. He he, yeah. des- he deserves to be one of our last three movie stars. Agreed. Look out, Denzel, uh, and I. <laughs> Shouldn't have written this down, and I definitely shouldn't have looked into it as much as I did. I just found it fascinating that this happened while I was alive. But in light of some of the some of the news surrounding little Tucker Carlson, good luck on your vacation, buddy. Hope you find a less racist writer. 
Uh, no, I hope he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, that, that guy was so dedicated to racism that he made it his day job and his hobby. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you can't take him his work home with him. That's not, that's yeah. not mentally healthy. But that's neither. Well, you know what? When you love what you do, being a racist, <laughs> oh, oh, no. it doesn't feel like work. <laughs> oh. But uh, this week, 30 years ago, in my lifetime, Tim Lennox, a radio talk show host, was suspended uh, for banning black callers after one of his colleagues' car was broken into. He said he'd had it up to here with those people and banned them from calling into his show. And I was like, okay, what happened with this guy? And I found out last year in 2019, he retired after 50 years in the news business. So good on on you. Maybe maybe the shame machine and cancel culture arrived too late. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This guy has been working the whole time, of course, on the Alabama News Network. Look up Tim Lennox. Mm. It's hard. (laughs) But yes, banned all Mm. black collars. And I'm not even sure how you do that how how do you do it it's wild you sound a little bassy sir can you name one character from gone with the wind (laughs) 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 in lighter news we move into the movies and man no no ghosts or dick tracy's to talk about in 1990 we go just move up to number one at the box office but we do have a reason to get excited Navy SEALs. <laughs> I, I believe I showed uh, Sarah's husband, Sam, the movie Clerks, and that was like the only line that made him laugh. <laughs> that feels right. Ooh, Navy SEALs. Uh, but it is it is out this week, and it is a fucking stupid delight. Uh, Dennis Hazenhurt, <laughs> Bill Paxton, Cyril O'Reilly, Rick Rosevich, Joanne Whaley, Kilmer, Michael Bean, and Charlie Sheen. It rhymes. Navy SEALs. Born to risk, trained to win. You guys are crazy. Proud of it, baby. Charlie Sheen, Michael Biehn. See you later! Navy SEALs. Sounds like fun. It is. Rated R. Oh, <laughs> Navy SEALs. Don't threaten me with a good time, Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Man, it's it's like if Jason Statham had his own branch of the military that was <laughs> like half drinking and fucking. Like, that's what this movie's about. It's so utterly absurd and i feel like when so people dumb. make over the top top gun parodies i'm like you might be thinking of navy seals that is the real like propaganda hey kids this looks really fun come join the seals but top they- gun was already almost a parody yeah. like yeah and charlie sheen goes on to star in a parody of it oh right. right what the crap can he tell the difference? Did he think that when he was making Hot Shots, he was making Navy Seals too? Uh, I will say his Perhaps. performance in this movie. I don't know that he can tell the difference. It's the same performance. <laughs> I think Charlie Sheen is a ridiculous leading man in serious movies, and thankfully this this movie is trying to be serious, but it is unintentionally silly and and just I don't know, just dripping with like ball sweat. It's so stupid. <laughs> Manly, listen. Did you hear that wailing guitar in the background? Holy shit! This thing, this movie is a Guns N' Roses opener band. It is joyous, and but, but it's it's also it's really fucking stupid. So stupid. The only part I remember is like so much of it is you know like Top Gun where they're spending a lot of time not flying and stuff. They're just getting up into wacky shenanigans, and one of them involves like they're doing crazy shit on a golf course. And yeah. I'm like, ew. Fuck no, you. They make it look like summer camp for 20-year-olds. And uh, Shenanigans. Hmm. And that is that is my sinister story behind it. 
I like I think we were watching Clerks. So we all sort of made fun of Navy SEALs. And I think Sam's like, no, no, we should seriously watch Navy SEALs. It's fucking hilarious. And like, it was like, no, Navy SEALs sucks. And one day, like, we sent our friend Chris to the store and he just, as a joke, I rented the newest, greatest thing. This is like 97, 98 Navy SEALs. And we watch it and we're just all giggles. And in the middle of like one of the boring parts, I was like, fuck this. And I called the Navy hotline, 1-800-USA-NAVY. <laughs> and I told them I wanted to enlist because I'm watching Navy SEALs and I want to be just like Charlie Sheen. Dude, I want to wake up hungover on a fucking beach, jump off a bridge out of a military-issued Jeep. Let's, just me and my bros on a golf course, man. And the, the recruiter was like, yeah, it's kind of like that here. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was prank calling the Navy from my actual home phone number. What did I do? And he, he's like, no, no, like a couple things in that movie are based on, you know, a lot of things that happened in my experience. It's really fun out here, man. I think you'd really dig it. Hey, can I get your address? We set up a lunch meeting. And like, no, Abba. it just, I felt like that episode of The Simpsons, like, sir, this is a prank call that just went real wrong. I, I thought <laughs> I wanted you to hang up on me. And he got all of my information out of me. So for the next three or four years, until I moved out, mm-hmm. I got it, I got shit from the fucking Navy based on the viewing of this movie. So it always like sends a chill up my spine anytime someone says <laughs> Navy SEALs. Because I was like, I, I was really close to being abducted by the Navy, it felt like. <laughs> they were calling all the time. Not having any idea how ill-equipped I am to be in the Navy. Uh, <laughs> Navy SEALs. Swim? Huh? I you like to swim? Uh, I have a quarter of an eardrum. Uh, I suffer from vertigo. I'm not gay. That's a requirement. No, uh, I, uh, <laughs> Navy SEALs is utterly absurd. So absurd that it made me want to prank the Navy. Yes, it failed. <laughs> and this movie sort of failed too. But like, I feel like it was one of those cable classics in the 90s. Yeah, I think the, the next movie uh, is it's definitely a niche movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 and I don't think it's quite built up to cult status, but it feels like it should. It's definitely borderline, I the, feel like. The next movie? Yeah. All right. Uh, John Goodman, Jane Kozak, uh, uh, Harley Jane Kozak, uh, Julian Sands, and Jeff Daniels in Arachnophobia. The Jennings have just moved to the perfect little town. Smell that air. Perfect, except for one pesky little problem. It's just a spider. Now, experts are moving in. Over McClintock, infestation management. Neighbors are moving out, and the Jennings are just trying to stay calm. Yeah, chill out. Hollywood Pictures and Amblin Entertainment present Jeff Daniels, John Goodman, Arachnophobia, a thrillomedy. Rated PG. <laughs> Forgot about the thrillomedy. Comedy. Oof. Yeah. So they're 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 pushing it as gremlins right there. They got the not gremlins music, and that's a good comparison. This yeah. compares to gremlins pretty cleanly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, we I, talked about an arachnophobia when we talked about uh, when animals attack. Our laser time <laughs> episode of like yeah. two years ago. Yes, and I think that's where we discovered thrillomedy again. Good lord. Yeah. <laughs> good lord. But I uh, uh, I gave this one a watch. It is. It is a pretty beautiful thing to behold on a, a bigger screen. That the, the opening of the movie is shot all in Venezuela, so it looks like a precursor to Jurassic Park. It's gorgeous footage, uh, and it looks great in HD, which I guess I've never really seen it in, and uh, other than the movie theater. But I, I, this movie always, always, always disappoints me. Really, I think always. it's a lot of fun. Always, mm-hmm. I just because I remember like, oh shit, yeah, John, that John Goodman movie, and I remember like I. 
when I was watching it, I warped right back to 1990 and like all of the advertisements show nothing but John Goodman. He's in this movie for 10 minutes. Yeah. And and he's the comedy part of it. Like, and it's almost to the point where it's out of place. I feel like, Mm. I mean, a lot of the other, the rest of the movie is not particularly funny. Really? That's that's the thing. It, it, It lacks that over the top quality of gremlins that it's not quite a, a genre or a time parody. It's just a, it's just like a, it's like a big budget B movie. Yeah, yeah, and- yeah. Oh, one one hundred percent is, and it's it's interesting as a first of a bunch of things. Yes, I mean it's the first directorial effort by Frank Marshall, who's yes. been like Spielberg's producer this whole freaking time. Yeah, everything Spielberg Plus, has made, he's been producer yeah. on, along with I mean, Captain Indiana Jones and, and Back to the Future and Roger Rabbit and mm. and all these things. Him and Spielberg and Zemeckis. You and know, and Kathleen Kennedy, like this, yeah, with Kathleen Kennedy, and then he—I didn't know they were decides... married until today. Until today, <laughs> I really oh, yeah. didn't. Yeah, and then like he ends up, he directs this, and he directs a couple other movies, some mm-hmm. okay, like Alive, and some like Congo that are laughably bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in that one, a, a monkey drinks a martini. Oh, well, that's pretty funny. <laughs> so but there's then, that. <laughs> what's weird is it's also this is the first release of Hollywood Pictures. Yes, it is Disney's. I had no idea. It's Disney's first release under. Uh, we we doing the show long enough. I, Down and Out in Beverly Hills was the debut of Touchstone, which mm-hmm. is as Disney started swallowing other media companies, it had to kind of get its name off of things that were rated R or a little edgier. I kind of wish mm-hmm. this was a little edgier, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, this is the, the the first adult release, and it's PG thirteen as hell under Hollywood Studios. I believe no yep. longer exists. No longer. I feel like. They, no, it doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, for a long time, is boy, you knew you were getting a bad movie. It was it's, yeah. if it's the Sphinx, it stinks. If it, <laughs> well, <laughs> it, what, and there, and what's, that's not fair because they did put out like some good, fun, bad movies like Hand That Rocks the Cradle, and I mean actual good movies like Tombstone and Joy Luck Club. But Encino Man, let's get. <laughs> but yeah, they also did you know blame it on the bellboy and Encino Man and. Aspen Extreme and Super Mario Brothers, the movie. It's truly a studio no one can be a fan of. Mm. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're gone now. I was wondering, like, it occurred to me, like, I haven't seen that shitty logo. Maybe no one's making Curly Sue 4 like I had hoped. But... <laughs> and I, I kept my mouth shut about this uh, in, a, in a previous show. I, I guess I mm-hmm. said I'd save it for here, but uh, it, this movie marks the, the death of one of my favorite things in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger Rabbit, which... Disney co-owned as a movie character along with Steven Spielberg. And it was, no one expected much of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but then when it released with that first Roger Rabbit short, uh, that was on the poster, that was in the commercials for the movie. That's on, it's on the cover of the home video for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And the belief was that Roger helped make Honey, I Shrunk the Kids not just big, but massive. It was a huge hit. Mm. Uh, And this summer... An argument went down behind the scenes. We have one Roger short ready, and we need to put it in front of this movie. And Spielberg's like uh, uh, arachnophobia needs the help. Uh, I think we worked really hard on this, and I think we could use. And he lost to Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy got the cartoon, mm. and arachnophobia didn't. And after that, Steven Spielberg, who had to approve every script, never approved another script for Roger short. And mm-hmm. after a while, they just stopped asking. And after a while, Roger Rabbit momentum just sort of died you can tell by my age i was just all in on roger rabbit it's a huge bummer for me but him not getting a roger shorts roller coaster rabbit for 
uh, arachnophobia kind of killed killed the Roger Rabbit franchise. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I still don't like this movie. <laughs> I feel like it's a fun watch, and I, as I recall from when I watched it a couple years ago, the practical effects are pretty fun. They, the, that is mm-hmm. actually phenomenal to know yeah. that they treated the spiders, the Avondale spider of New Zealand. Um, they treated them with the utmost humanity. There's a moment when John Goodman steps on one of the spiders. I'm like, okay, how do they do that? And like, they hollowed out a hole in the sole of his shoe so he could <laughs> oh step on it and not harm the spider. What? And like, how did they, how do you train spiders? And it turns out you can't. But uh, did you know spiders hate lemon scented pledge? Uh, and and won't walk on it so you can you can sort of direct them they would hide vibrating wires which the spiders also wouldn't walk on and uh keep the set at a certain temperature and then hit them with heat and cold to push them forwards and kind of because there's some scenes in this like dude how the fuck did they do that there was a five minute scene of dialogue that ends with a spider nailing its mark (laughs) like how did you do that (laughs) Yeah. That is well, super are, cool. There are some fake spiders in here, True. and mm-hmm. it's one of the first gigs of Janie Heineman from Mythbusters. True. <gasps> really? Cool. Yep. Was working on, yeah, he was, he was a practical effects guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, RIP to Grant Imahara. Oh, I don't, I don't, oh, that hit me. I don't, I don't know why sad. that hit me so hard, but like, no, not Grant. Because it's, uh, it's super tragic. I, it just, well, I didn't realize how long he was in my life as a television personality, like a long time, like over, yeah. over a decade. Yeah, and I mean, such a sudden, I believe it was a brain aneurysm. Mm-hmm. It's very yep. sudden. Only so 49. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. Really, tra- really tragic celebrity news this past week. <laughs> hey, guess what? 2020's not been a good year. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. For realsies. Yeah. Yeah. Th- but th- things realies. are looking up. Uh, d- no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, honestly, with arachnophobia, like, I kind of got. I mean, they're going for a Gremlins vibe, but mm-hmm. it kind of gave, it was sort of for like the burbs for me, which I know a lot of people mm-hmm. love. And I was just sort of, it's okay. Cause it's like a black horror comedy mm-hmm. that like, I feel like well, it could be meaner. Yeah. And then I'd probably like it more. So I guess if you like the burbs, you might want to give arachnophobia a shot. I think that's on the nose. Not unlike like- the coronavirus, the spiders only kill very old people <laughs> primarily. <laughs> Pretty much, not, yeah. not a good joke. Uh, I, I just I was reading that Frank Marshall he said he was trying to make his own Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, uh-huh. and I'm like that makes more sense tonally because like I was expecting something more Gremlins. It's a a bad comparison, but like oh, sh- something like Slither, like something that was like a genre uh, tribute, but then with added new effects and violence, and this totally doesn't mm-hmm. have any of that. And mm-hmm. that's what that's what I thought was kind of a bummer it's it's from amblin the same people who brought us gremlins and it's i, I don't know why it's pg-13 and it probably got had to get watered down i mean it's a big summer blockbuster release it's you know uh animal horror which is i think people maybe are more apt to bring their children to that because there's something a little bit less scary about it maybe i don't know why it just kind of feels that way so probably just watered it down over well, I have to, edits. I have to, I have to bring this up because uh, my girlfriend brought it up during watching this. Uh, uh, is there something gendered to this film? Because you ladies and your hatred of spiders, like I don't have anything. I don't feel anything about spiders. I don't but, feel anything about. But spiders. she's like, she does, and she's like, ah, oh, like making noises I'd never heard her make. When, oh. <laughs> like things started walking across the screen. I, hmm. I like spiders 
the larger there's there's like a minimum size for spiders for me to like them. I like big spiders and I don't like little spiders. I like tarantulas a ton. And uh, I was reading people comparing this to Kingdom of the Spiders with William Shatner, which is Mm. really bad. Very similar, (laughs) but really bad. And there's a point where like they run over a bunch of tarantulas and I was like, oh, yeah, I don't like that. I was like, no, I like tarantulas, but like little average like wolf spiders and little, oh, yeah, little black widow. Oh, Not me, but hate them, and they all live in my house. As mm-hmm. as a boy who's now in the on the verge of the woods of Florida, I see a spider and I like put a towel around his shoulder and give him a little power. And like you, get out there and you kill some fucking mosquitoes. Exactly, Come on, yeah. get in the game. You got this. I rub his shoulders and push him back, and they <laughs> all eight of his shoulders. <laughs> it's a while. It takes a little They're while. So tiny. <laughs> You're gonna eat mosquitoes and crap webbing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, my the spiders who live in my house do basically nothing. So the deal is, if I don't see you, you get to stay. <laughs> and, and that's I, that's the deal. And that's I have in a full embroidered thing uh, that says "Calls my home is named Spider Man's" because of the sheer <laughs> number of spiders fucking everywhere. I forgot mm. about that. Oh my goodness! It, yeah. uh, but I'll get the movie is gorgeous. Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Of, I remember all the effects look so good. Yeah, I think the scariest moment is like the flashback to the spider walking across the face. Like that—that mm-hmm. that is what I, other than John Goodman, I find synonymous with this movie. But ultimately, I, I don't know. Like it just feels like not enough happens in a movie of this size. And mm-hmm. it's it's a twenty million dollar movie in nineteen ninety, so it's a it's a mid range film. It's it's almost you could almost call it low budget, but. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I've always wanted more out of arachnophobia, I guess. Mm-hmm. Especially with its pedigree. Uh, John mm. Goodman doesn't get to curse. He doesn't get to be as funny as he should be. Um, but he does have to yell straight into the camera. Oh! Oh! <laughs> That's, you know, I've been missing that. Man, hey, what was the last Coen Brothers movie he did that in? Because he did that in every Coen Brothers movie for well, a while. Well, he didn't do it in Inside Llewellyn Davis. No, he didn't mm-hmm. do it Inside that Llewellyn would be Davis. Hard. Blue and Davis. It might be Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which we get to talk about at the end of the year. Ooh, good. Oh, yeah, those people up. God, I love you, Delmar. Uh, <laughs> oh, we have we have actually, we have a bunch of Coen Brothers movies lined up between now and the end of the year that probably my favorite one we get to talk about in like six weeks. And I'm Ooh. dying. I'm bursting with wanting to talk about this movie. I was beginning to wonder because I feel like, have we only talked about like three Coen Brothers movies in the history of this show? What's What's going on? Uh, we did Burn After Reading. That's right. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Um, Raising Arizona, Blood Simple. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of the, the title with Gabriel Byrne in it. It's amazing. That's coming up. That's oh, the one it? I'm talking about. Okay, okay. I was wondering when we're going to get to that. Leave me yep. there, die oh. like a dumb animal. <laughs> yep. Oh, and uh, yeah, another one. Of, uh, fill your hands, you son of a bitch. <laughs> we get to talk about that one later. Too. Sweet. All right, I'm excited. But but, right. but you guys got a kick out of arachnophobia? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, better than I was expecting. I was expecting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting. I, it's uh, it, because it doesn't. It's not for everyone, but. but- I think there's people out there who would definitely like it. Because it doesn't do anything over the top. It's not embarrassing ever. It's actually like beautiful mm-hmm. to look at. Uh, mm-hmm. in the, it's, other than the Venezuela stuff, which is gorgeous, it's shot in Janeiro, California. So I don't. The shit they get little spiders to do is pretty astonishing. Yeah. And Jeff Daniels, I feel like, has never been enough of a leading man. I agree. Yeah. And it's kind of fun when he is. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know what it was. Right yeah. after watching this at like two in the morning, I'm like, I need more Jeff Daniels, and for some reason, settled on Speed. Too bad we don't get to talk about that anytime soon. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we don't get to talk about Purple Rose of Cairo either, but that's a Woody Allen oh. film, so a lot of people won't want to talk about it. But he is so good at it. That's. Mm. I think that's my first Woody Allen film. That's a good first Woody Allen film. It's a little weird. That's, it was a little weird. Like, what is yeah, happening, it's very Dad? Nostalgic, <laughs> but it's like. It's like his own weird version of the Truman Show. It's you know a mm-hmm. character from a movie walks out of real life and doesn't or walks into real life and doesn't understand how real life works. Yeah, or what was that? What was that? Fuck that Tobey Maguire movie, Pleasantville. There it is. Pleasantville. Yeah, yeah. There it is. All right. Well, moving on to television of 1990, July 17th through the 23rd. What we're the f- in the summer doldrums, y'all. What is this? Real this Life with Jane Pauley premieres. Yeah, this is just a very fluffy news magazine um, or. Yeah, like show, you know, in the in the evening time during prime time where they mm-hmm. do basically all human interest stories instead of mm-hmm. real actual news. But I thought it was kind of funny to show the topics that they discussed on this first show. <laughs> on reaching the age of 40, children caught <laughs> children caught in the middle of divorce and step families. Oh, Airstreamers, no. the Rolls Royce of recreational vehicles. <laughs> yeah. And gardening, the fastest growing pastime in America. Wow. So basically, we're talking <laughs> CBS Sunday morning, but in the evening time. Wow. It only ran for about a year. Oh, my goodness. That sounds oh, unwatchable. Man. Jane Polly is here and there. She pops up, you know, a yeah. lot here and there. She's a journalist. Yeah, yeah but a softer one. Yeah. She's like just on the edge between soft and hard. Like she is right. the line. So yeah. she's, she's not the, gr- the gorilla lady. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jane Goodall. My bad. (laughs) It was not an insult. I was talking about her her job. Anyway, July 22nd, El Diablo, a TV movie with Anthony Edwards, Louis Gossett Jr., Joe Penaliano, and John Glover. What a a cast. It's an HBO movie. Surely surely this movie is excellent. It's it's about the devil. Mm, I wish. We're starting a new Kid Durango book today. This is one of my personal favorites. This is Billy Ray Smith. He was one of the finest school teachers in the territory of Arizona. Do you ever think this of- is not what I wanted. This is not what I wanted at it's all. It's <laughs> a comedy western. Yeah. It looks like it's it's in the middle of this Venn diagram of like a whole bunch of western concepts I like. Mm-hmm. Like cuz he's he's like the mild-mannered school teacher and then I think his girlfriend gets abducted by El Diablo who's El in Diablo. like a a rootin' tootin' gang. Mm-hmm. And then he tries to go recruit uh, like a gunfighter who they've written up all these trashy books about and turns out to be Lou Gossett Jr. Mm. And it's like, this is intersecting with like so many things I like. I, I like Westerns about characters who don't belong in a Western. Uh, I like the idea of uh, a black gunfighter who's been like mythologized and mythologized probably as white. Mm. Uh, just to start making me think about, you know, all the the Duke of Death from Unforgiven. And I love those sort of stories about how we built these myths about the West. And when you get there, it fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, but I couldn't track this down. Could anyone? No, no. no. Uh, I, I thank God for the video detective or we wouldn't even have the trailer. I don't yep. know how they get what they do, because, but it's like HBO. It's, I had to, I have to imagine HBO was sort of acquiring independent films or film studios didn't want back in the day before mm-hmm. going whole hog and producing its own entertainment. Cause like almost everything exclusive that's come out that we've talked about, they've just let fall into obscurity mm-hmm. and, and 
is definitely look it up on HBO Max. I assure you, it's not there. But yeah. yes, HBO's long spate of historical two-hour films. Like I don't know where you find those, but some of them I popped up on Amazon recently. I don't know yeah. if HBO doesn't own them. I think a couple of them I ended up finding because they went theatrical overseas and so got right. proper DVD releases like in the UK. Right. And that's how you get them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just that's and, crazy. and just pray somebody from the UK uploaded it to YouTube where HBO exactly. can continue well, to yeah. not care about it. There's got to be like a cutoff date where HBO started supporting the films that they made, right? I it, mean because I, I just always go back to and the band played on, which was from 1993, and that one's definitely on the HBO app because Sam and I watch yeah. it every year. Yeah, because somewhere around the era of like the late shift and st- it feels yeah, like when I started paying shift, attention because yeah. I know there was that a uh, um, Kenneth Branagh Nazi movie that we were talking about and like couldn't uh, conspiracy fi- conspiracy that's uh, pretty good and I couldn't find it for yeah. a long time and uh, mm. it finally did yeah. show up on Amazon. Yeah, I found it on Amazon, but not HBO. Right, mm. it was weird. Right. Yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah, that's a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing's more fun than planning the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, but uh, video games. Again, we have a whole show where we talk just about the video games. For July, I believe we'll have a very, very special guest on to do just that. We'll go in-depth with me, Maddie, uh, and Michael from Video Game Apocalypse every Friday, Laser Time Network, uh, our video game show. And uh, yeah, people with combined 30 years experience in the games industry and we'll tell you more about Metal Gear Metal Gear 2, colon Solid Snake, Konami's last major game for the MSX that did not come to the NES. Most Americans have never seen it, let alone played it. Wow. Uh, Captain Tsubasa, I should have looked that up, Subasa 2 Super Striker, by far the coolest 8-bit soccer footage you've ever seen in your life and great music. And one of my favorites, Snake Rattle and Roll, a <laughs> 50s, thing, 50s game uh, by Rare about snakes who have to eat enough to weigh themselves on a scale to leave an isometric level. They <laughs> battle things with their tongues like like flying tires and severed foots. It's truly bizarre. <laughs> I don't know if there was an idea rejected anywhere in this game, but it's it's just a delight. I love it. Uh, music of 1990, July 17th to the 23rd. Uh, Pink Floyd stages a performance of The Wall in Berlin to commemorate the Berlin Wall's destruction. And uh, I, t- I just learned that now, so it uh, had a fraction of the impact of Days at Hassel- David Hasselhoff dancing on it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, way to be late to the party, Pink Floyd. Yeah, what were you doing? Going to your fucking chiropractor. You old man, David Hasselhoff. Let him rain. Uh, <laughs> but new music releases this week. Flesh and Blood by Poison. Wonderful. Edutainment uh, by Boogie Down Productions. Apple, the only full-length album by Mother Love Bone, because it's lead singer OD'd. Yep. And, that's... and most of the other folks are Pearl Jam. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, and uh, that's what's... What was it Temple of the Dog? That's what that album was? Yeah. A tribute to this guy? I'm going home. <laughs> also, also dead. Great. Uh, and Slave to the Thrill by Hurricane. She Ain't Worth It by Glenn Medeiros. How do you say this? Medeiros. <laughs> Medeiros. I've never heard this. She what ain't song re- is this? I haven't heard this either. It's really rare. We have a number one from 1990, especially that it's like, I don't recall this. Hmm. How is this possible? Maybe they were. I all... don't know, but good job, Glenn Medeiros, because he got a number one hit. That a boy. Um, she ain't worth it. We're going to close out with that, but stay right there, people. We're going to jump 10 years in the future and take you into the year 2000. Stay right there. She
Do you like video game apocalypse in 30 2010? Well, the LaserTime Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two. Over at patreon.com slash lasertime, we've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 3020 and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Bidja Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. And I really want to talk about this, Combat Tribes, because in a weird yes. way, Combat Tribes sort of taught me how to read. I remember being very young in a summer camp, and we were at a bowling alley for a week. No one could really figure out what to call this game, and you know, without an internet or a caring adult, Combat Tribes, com- Coma Tribes, com- <laughs> Yeah, it was it was difficult. We all had different, and I've never, and only until recording podcasts, have I heard anybody. Uh, Combat Tribes makes the most sense. What doesn't make sense is that this is a beat 'em up from Technos, the Double Dragon people, who yes. built us the beat 'em up. And this game has no jump. It has a dash yeah. knee move like Double Dragon. I just played this, obviously, but I I loved it. I love beat 'em ups, and this one is bloody and brutal. You can kick and punch people when they're down. You can slam clown's head into the pavement until blood splatters everywhere. I fucking love this game. And I I will never forget, like, the ad campaign for it, which was, like, this comic book ad in EGM with, like, the main villain, Martha Splatterhead, who's, like, a hot blonde in a tight dress. It's like, oh, my gangs will take over the city and, like, not if the combat tribes, Berserker, Bulova, and Blitz can stop you. Yeah. And she's like, oh, come on, Blitz, you wouldn't hit a lady, would you? And then, like, the last frame is just this muscle man standing over a woman that he's just punched out, screaming, cyborgs ain't ladies! <laughs> So, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 302010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash lasertime in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the Lasertime shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right guys? Yay! You help me, I'm I'm so scared that I'll never get put back together. Keep breaking me in, and this is how we really with you and me. Coming in with Bent by Matchbox 20. It is number one this week, July 17th to the 23rd in the year 2000. Welcome to 2000, everyone. 302010's infamous second segment. Uh, <laughs> Notorious. <laughs> yes, uh, we have new music releases. Can you believe it? Aha is back with Minor Earth and a major key. Aha, the take on me, people. Nope. Minor Who, Earth and Major Sky. Minor Earth and Major Sky. What did I say? Ah, well, I'll keep going. Uh, Who Needs Guitars Anyway by Alice DJ. <laughs> uh, I think she's better off alone. 2000 BC by <laughs> Cannabis. City of Syrup by Big Mo. From Darkness into Light by Mellow Man, uh, Ace, The Business of Art by Tegan and Sarah, and Who is Jill Scott, Volume 1 by Guess Who, Jill Scott. Ooh, This Business of Art, by the way, is very good. I am very into Tegan and Sarah. I don't think that should surprise anyone. It didn't surprise me at all. This album has my favorite Tegan and Sarah uh, song on it, which is Hype, followed closely by my number. But yeah, this is 
great album. And this is their second studio album. I absolutely love Tegan and Sarah so much. I think you just picked the song we're going out with. Hell yeah. Good, good, good. And uh, a little bit of news to bring you into the world of 2000. Apple introduces this week multicolored IMAX forever timestamping thousands of scenes set in college dorms. Uh, Oh my god, yes. And introducing a lot of people who didn't see it before to the sexiness of Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those oh ads God. were so good. I Just about Jeff that. Goldblum standing there saying, like, what color are computers? They're beige. This is like, a, what color? This isn't a color. This is IMAX. They're, they're, they're colors. Huh. IMAX. That's an- and wow. I was like, I never saw it before, Jeff Goldblum, but suddenly I do. I didn't even oh. think about that. Like, uh, I have not seen... A beige gray computer in a very very long time. Uh, yeah, they're true. mostly black now, yeah. or mm-hmm. or non-existent in yep. uh, their phones or laptops. Or silver. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. meanwhile, my neighbor has an iMac uh, just sitting out in their yard as part of their weird decorations. <laughs> oh, that's fun. It's orange. It's and I'm like, I miss you. I I, I think they're really easy to make fun of. But, like, who else made an iconic computer that you can recognize from 100 feet away? Right. Like, that, there's still something neat about it. And there always was something neat about the iMac. But, yeah, it's, it's probably the most interesting design given to a major, major. I don't want to say PC, but you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, we have decided Dell has stuck to dull and boxy for, like, the mm-hmm. last 300 years. But at least Apple went for it uh, with I bold mean, colors and shapes. Wait. People way smarter than I am have like talked about how influential Apple's design choices have been and how they always come to seem to define the way technology looks for a generation. And this is the first time I remember it, I feel like, in this in my lifetime. It's true, but most of their design influence always falls in the area of like clean and minimalist, where this is like exactly this is gaudy and big and bold. (laughs) I don't think it's gaudy. I I mean, they're they're no bigger than any other. They are because it doesn't. The monitor house like house the computer itself. Like it's pretty big. Yeah, it's yeah. Big. But a decent sized monitor was about the same size sure. back mm-hmm. then. I remember, there's no flat panel yet. Dude, yeah. that fucker was huge. And you don't have <laughs> yeah. to have a tower. It yeah, no, that that fucker had a handle on the top for a reason. It, it was <laughs> a bit of a <laughs> something to get it up onto your desk. Sort of, sort of like. Um, what is it? It's not the hammer throw. It's like a like a kettlebell or something. Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Crunch onto the desk. Yep. This is what most people would do with it. In, in 10 years, those things did stick around, though. That's why it was so mm-hmm. easy to make fun of. You cannot spot the age of any other PC. It's just impossible. Uh, unless you're really into Alienware. But let's go to the movies of 2000, July 17th to the 23rd. Up first, a movie I've never heard of. Uh, Nathan Bexton, Matthew Settle, Lori Horing, and Susan Ward in The In Crowd. I have not heard this. Yeah, uh, it's like a teen thriller that uh, mm. a lot of people said was like fun for its camp when it's trying to be serious. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, yeah, and but it's directed by a woman. That's nice. Speaking of, I was super excited to see this movie in theaters. Oh it was, my gosh, I can't wait to talk about this movie. It was the return <laughs> of uh, Amy Hackerling, her first movie yes! since Clueless. Yeah. And, and uh, with with two, they called it a re- an American Pie reunion, but it featured two actors who do not have a single scene or share any lines with one another in American Pie. Mm. Uh, Jason Biggs, Mina Savari, and of course, Oscar nominee Greg Kinnear. Loser. Try not to be so much like uh, 
you. He doesn't belong. That guy is a serious buzzkill. She doesn't fit in. I'm calling for the Gal Friday job. Are you saying it? <laughs> But together, they'll discover the coolest thing you can be. Oh. Oh. Hey. Sorry. Um, is who you are. What happened to the nasty girl who hates everyone? I don't know. I have fun with you. What's that all about? Loser. What was that? A kiss? Call that a kiss? Rated PG. Jesus. <laughs> oh, I hate that they ruined the end, like, in the trailer. But... Mm. I love this movie so much. Really? Like wow. when I was talking about this is a sleeper week, mm-hmm. this is kind of the main thing I was talking about. This movie is absolutely a sleeper. I mean, Amy Hackerling, she already has her bona fides with Clueless and knowing how to kind of tap into a young person vibe that right. maybe isn't part of the zeitgeist yet, she, but it's coming. She had represented well youth during two different generations both of which she wasn't a part of which is so pissed that this movie is not on the same level as clueless honestly what do you think it should be yes absolutely i mean it is a teen romantic comedy and i don't think anyone should expect much deeper from it than that but all the individual tiny parts of it are so good i mean the way the characters talk the you could not define a better sarah at aesthetic for the high school than (laughs) watching this movie the way people dress the music oh my god i mean every teenage dirtbag is like kind of the theme song to this movie which i still love and sing along with in the car but also i'm I'm looking at the soundtrack and the last 13 tracks are all by sixpence none the richer no that's not true but i mean also too i mean you have teenage uh teenage dirtbag by ween which is so good and then the the whole movie ends with no myth by michael penn which is also another fantastic song and then in the middle you have a live performance by ever clear ever clear wow (laughs) so great i mean like i said you could not build a better movie for high school sarah i absolutely love it so much not to mention you have to talk about the great cameos in this movie. I mean, Dan Aykroyd plays Jason Biggs' dad. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit more than a cameo, but he does a great job with it. And then you also have Stephen Wright, Andy Dick, David Spade. And my very favorite is they go on a date and they see the Alan Cumming Cabaret. <laughs> Alan nice. Cumming is doing cabaret in this movie. It is so good. Like, I just... <laughs> absolutely love this movie it's full of hey it's that guys too i think taylor negron is in this like there's a ton of people that are just like you've seen come up over and over again because amy heckerling has a great eye Mm -hmm. for talent and yes i mean the story is too about this like kind of dorky guy from the midwest played by jason biggs who gets a scholarship to nyu maybe Mm -hmm. columbia i can't remember but a new york city university and you know he kind of falls for Mina Savari, who is does play a certain version of a manic pixie dream girl, but mm-hmm. without it being super gross. And I think that might be also before we got completely saturated by that character, maybe in pop yeah. culture. So we weren't super tired of it yet. Mm-hmm. But she is also the girlfriend of Greg Kinnear, who plays this smarmy college professor. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really just Super fun, super sleeper movie. I, it's a high recommend, and I'm pissed that it's not on the same yeah, level. I, I, I watched it. Wow. deserves it. I watched it more I, than once. It's why I go to bat for Jason Biggs. I think he's a pretty good comedic mm-hmm. lead. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 I when I just reading about it, like I feel 
drastically different on issues of class and uh, professors sleeping with their students than I did in the year 2000. Mm. And I wonder what a a modern viewing would be like. Yeah. Um, So it's been a while since I watched it. So I watched a chunk of it. I wasn't a huge fan to begin with. I was kind of disappointed in this movie. Like it's Amy Heckerling. I want her to elevate the material, but I think she does, but it's not, not high enough for me Mm. where it just, I mean, there's some parts that were funny, but I just felt like, well, this is just incredibly predictable. And I can, I know exactly where this is going without, the characters being more fleshed out to make me actually care about them. Like I realized rewatching chunks of it. It was like, Oh, this and adventure land have a lot of overlap. They're very similar. Yeah. Why do I like adventure land more? And it's like, I think cause it takes more time fleshing out its characters a little more realistically than this, where they feel more like sitcom characters. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally see that. I don't disagree necessarily with that characterization. And I think for me, why I like Loser better is because it more of the vibe. I mm-hmm. like like the vibe is more there for me, like the world that's built, less so than the characters. Yeah, it's probably worth that it. Are within it. We always talk about how difficult it is to define tones of this period as opposed mm-hmm. to the 80s and the 90s. But it's probably all there. We're just oh, this we, is very specific. Yeah, it, it, it's just yeah. we're we're laughing too hard at it right now. But like, no, I, I'm sort of feeling. Yeah, I could be nostalgic for the year 2000 at some point in my life. Uh, oh yeah, this hit me right in the nostalgic bone. Like mm-hmm. I just nostalgic for seven months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're kidding. When I could see my family, it was so nice yeah. then. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have to recommend Loser, especially if you're a fan of Amy Heckerling, because I do think that it it just it's right in line with her being able to so accurately capture a, a generation's mm. um, I, yeah, tone I, I, and, and aesthetic. Huh. I, that, I, I yeah. am really curious now. I remember watching it and being disappointed in it. And this is back when my main way of seeing movies was a. Uh, buying previously viewed blockbuster vhs's so i, I watched this at least another six times so it clearly did something to me yeah uh, oh and also too i mean part of the storyline is that jason biggs's character is this like you know moony like you know sappy guy from the midwest and he gets paired with these horrible roommates right that's what i remember yeah who are all played by a bunch of hey it's that guys and they like each one of his horrible roommates like they're the way they dress represents a horrible douchey like early 2000s guy like <laughs> they're like one guy's got the leather pants the other guy's like a rave guy the other guy is mm. like a douchey preppy guy it's very fun to see it's it's a time machine for sure but yeah you can't beat this soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> i love it so much i don't y'all. know we do have another movie to talk about and that movie would be pokemon the movie 2000 it's i love how easy pokemon made it like which movie is that the first movie uh which movie is that pokemon the The first movie yeah uh pokemon the movie the second pokemon movie the only thing bigger than seeing all new pokemon is seeing them on the big screen new dangers new adventures new pokemon this summer nothing is stronger than the power of one pokemon the movie 2000 starts july that's that's odd it's got the japanese title in the promotion uh it's japan it came out a year ago called Mm -hmm. the pokemon the power of one 
And uh, that's about all I remember about this movie. I was way past yeah. being into this at this point. I, I loved this ad in particular because, I mean, there were a bunch of ads. Uh, one mm-hmm. of them was all about how you'll get this special double-sided card <laughs> for the card game mm-hmm. when you go. But I, I, this ad, it, it made made me immediately think of the uh, uh, was it Power Rangers movie, too, where it's like, mm-hmm. they're not trying to bring in new people. Right. This ad is only for people who know what they're talking about. Like, I don't speak this language. So when you say, like, new adventures, new zords, I don't know what the fuck a zord is. It's like, and now Mewtwo and new electrical type Pokemon. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck yet means. It is, okay, it is, not for me. Bye. It is bizarre to think of a time period where a major studio like Warner Brothers wins a bidding war over a foreign film. <laughs> <laughs> but they did. I don't know why it took a year to localize, but it came out. But I think I don't know where it stands in the Pokemon film canon. But for everyone else, the greatest thing to ever happen involved Herman Kane accidentally outing himself as a massive Pokemon t- <laughs> the movie two thousand in particular fan. Uh he during his campaign for president in the year two thousand, he's uh I quote the great Donna Summer. And he would give this speech in his campaigns and on television. And then finally someone's like, that's the that's from the Pokemon movie. I'm like, it, Wait, maybe. It, he was running in 2000? Yeah, I guess so. Or maybe it was, it was 2004. No, it was and, 2012, I thought. Was it? it was the last election that he was relevant for. Well, I yeah. can't. I can't I remember. Did he run in 2016, too? But the, but the, the funny thing is, is that there's no way that dude has an iPod and there's no way he's buying songs individually. And he's like, I, I don't know the Pokemon. He denied it throughout his kid. Like, I don't, it, I didn't know it's from the Pokemon movie. It's just, it's just by Donna Summer. And like, there, there is no album you can buy of this without Pikachu on it. There, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all over the internet, I could not even find a clean clip of it because Pokemon fans take great delight in syncing it to the music. Life can be a challenge. Life can seem impossible. But it's never easy when there's so much on the line. That was that is that is on that is on that is on Fox News <laughs> live, and it's that song was written for the Pokemon movie and released exclusively on Pokemon soundtracks. And Herman Cain knows it by heart and wants to share it with the world. Maybe Hello. we should give him a, another look. We wish you a speedy recovery, yes, Mr. Cain. Yes, well suit, Herman Cain. Yes, but only because we have to say that and don't really mean it. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the biggest movie out this week is, to me, one of my it's- most disappointing movies ever. Harrison Ford trying to kill his wife. His wife. <laughs> oh, big spoiler there. Uh, James Remar, Miranda Otto, Amber Valletta, uh, Diana Scarwood, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Harrison Ford in What Lies Beneath. He was the perfect husband until his one mistake. Did you know her? I had an affair with her. She threatened to kill herself. Followed them home. There's a ghost in my house. And now she's trying to hurt you. Stop it. Who do you think it is? I know exactly who it is. Harrison Ford. Tell me what to do. Michelle Pfeiffer. Something is happening. (laughs) What lies beneath. Rated PG-13. Just, uh, this movie dude. is so fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I wasn't trying to shit on the movie, but as now I'm, I'd like to claim I am the world's biggest Bob Zemeckis fan. Mm. And almost That's every true. movie he makes takes some giant leap forward or is super ambitious. 
from Back to the Future to Roger Rabbit to used cars to Death Becomes Her to Flight. And there, and this movie has like none of that. It's just like yeah, a straightforward thriller. Like, it yeah, the guy needs a break, man. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. It's not, it's not fair. But just like when it's I want to go watch a Robert Zemeckis movie, I want a big bombastic soundtrack and special effect, unparalleled special effects. And this is totally like unlike anything else in his uh, in his filmography. Uh, yeah, in, in some respects, it, mm-hmm. this is true. It's a very straightforward uh, thriller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even yeah, the walk has, has even even the walk has like groundbreaking technological effects. Yeah, it's got some special effects in here, but they're pretty minor. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's supernatural thriller, and I'm bummed. It's just one week off. We could have had uh, two Harrison Ford cheating on his wife movies oh, in wow. a row because uh, well, we have presumed innocent next week, so. <laughs> I'm pissed when they don't quite line up. But yeah, What Lies Beneath is about uh, Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer are a couple. And um, she's like being haunted in their house by the woman he slept with. Question mark? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And it's got some really tense parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Zemeckis knows what he's doing. There is a part where Michelle Pfeiffer is paralyzed and in a bathtub that is slowly Ooh. filling Mwah! It's beautifully so done. It's so good. Yes, agree. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I, I thought I remember. I kind of almost to the point where I was like, "How did they shoot this?" Honestly, because <laughs> she is so good at it. Like watching the water rise and her eyes are still open, like as the water is like, woo, yep. gave me the heebie-jeebies for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. I, I loved I, it. I thought I remembered the reveal at the end, which made me never want to watch it again. Oh. And it's oh. sort of the only reason, like, Harrison Ford is even there. Yeah, but, well, uh, he, like, never gets to do bad guy stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hate that we're spoiling it, but we might as well spoil it, because Harrison Ford goes fully on evil in it, and yeah. we never get to see him do that. It's such a surprise. Yeah. I feel like that tell is pretty early on, though. It, it, it like, is. Yeah, it is yeah. with that, that. What's that old adage Diana uses? Like, the, he's the most famous guy in the movie, and he's, like, almost never in the movie Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that because his part is coming. And- yeah. Oh, I gotta look up. There's a specific uh, Ebert's dic- Ebert's film dictionary term mm. because it's gonna come up uh, in a movie in the next the next segment. But also, fun fact: who is this written by? Buh. Oh, Clark Gregg. It's written it, by Clark Gregg. Is Agent it really? Coulson. Oh, crazy, isn't that crazy? Agent Coulson wrote a movie for you guys. Yes. Uh, nice of him. I knew. He I, did, I knew he made choke. I, all right. I didn't know he wrote stuff. Yeah, he he wrote a scary thriller movie. Yeah. Okay. I I love Clark Gregg. He just split up with Jennifer Grey. Oh. Sad. Yeah. That was like one of those Hollywood marriages. I loved finding out that these two people that seem unconnected are together. And then, yeah, they just broke up. Oh, if I could only be writing gossip headlines that day. Baby, colon, cornered. And. <laughs> uh, but fuck now you're giving me second thoughts on uh maybe i should have given this a, another shot because yeah this is this is this does not this is not one of the robert zemeckis movies i put on for comfort viewings and uh oh, no. and, and nah. but it was pretty memorable and it's pretty effective until it's revealed you know it's not all real well, <laughs> it is though i mean it is still a supernatural 
thriller. And there are still supernatural elements that are not explained at the end. Oh, I see it. Mm-hmm. For my viewing, yes. I thought it was all wiped away. Are we, are we spoiling the ending or not? Because I'm unclear. <laughs> I mean, it's a 20-year-old movie. True. So. Yeah, we've kind of spoiled it. It's still a fun ride, though, and I absolutely recommend it. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, Summertime is for thrillers like this, light mm-hmm. thrillers. I think this is that's a really – it's a fun, it's fun summertime movie time watch. Is, uh, Pop your popcorn. Go indeed. for it. Indeed. What lies beneath? Um, and moving to television of 2000, um, <laughs> July 17th to the 23rd, I was reading ABC at this point has uh, devoted almost one fifth of its primetime uh, slots to <laughs> Who Wants to Be a Millionaire viewings. Mm, wow. That shit is insane. I, that was really annoying, and I, I was barely at a point where I cared about cable at this point. But I, I, at that point, I don't remember game shows that had cliffhangers at that point because mm-hmm. a guy could be answering questions all fucking week. <laughs> if seriously, that's how it worked. Like they, you, you answer a series of questions to get to a million dollars, but like that never happened. Well, it almost never happened on the show, period. But like, it takes more than an hour because of so many commercials. And Regis asking so final answer a billion times. Final answer. Uh, I still have my <laughs> a very unofficial. Is that your final answer, beer koozie? I like to <laughs> whip out on occasion. In terms of new shows that debuted, Opposite Sex debuts. Mm-hmm. I yeah. never heard of this. I hadn't either because uh, it didn't. It didn't really make it to a first season. <laughs> it mm. sort of started out. But uh, it's got Milo Ventimiglia, Chris Evans, and convicted sex offender Allison Mack. Mm-hmm. She's a small girl. We can only lady. call her that. <laughs> no, she is a convicted sex offender, yeah, Allison yeah, Mack. I read, I read, yeah. Sorry, Smallville people, but it's true. She was in a sex cult and she hurt people. Anyway, it's about like an all-girls private school in the first year they start admitting guys. And... <sighs> The reviews were kind of mixed. Like some said like, well, this is a lot better than like Saved by the Bell and it's trying. And some of them were like, yeah, but I mean, it wants to be like my so-called life or something. And bitch, it is not. Mm -hmm. So it's it's trying for a high quality vibe that it never. I I like the title 100 percent more now. (laughs) Yeah. Now Uh, it makes sense. Opposite sex. What is this Mm -hmm. about? Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, yeah, failed. Too bad. Also, the the premiere of Janine Turner, Patricia Richardson, Rosa Blasi's Strong Medicine, uh, another network doctor show with a lady bent. A lifetime. A lifetime. Lady oh, doctor show. Okay. Went for six seasons. What? Six seasons. It was like oh. the number one basic cable show for a while. Really? That- and I did not realize it was co-created and produced by Whoopi Goldberg. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love her. Ghost awesome. Whoopi Goldberg? Listen to the last That's week. That's right. Episode. Uh, and video games again we'll discuss more of these patreon.com slash laser time uh, threads of fate and baby Mario Tennis is 20 years old meaning the debut of this character ah! <laughs> that, is, <laughs> <laughs> that is the debut of Wa- Waluigi one of the stupidest characters in all of history ah! yeah uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, oh, now I need to get Diana talking while Luigi dog. <laughs> something about, you know, it's like uh, perfectly cut off screams on Twitter. Something, about, something that starts really loud and then cuts off just always makes me laugh. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, you are number one, Waluigi, in our hearts. Um, so if we make it the next smash. Uh, let's take us out of 2000. We have a lot to talk about in 2010, but uh, taking us out is, will be Hype by Tegan and Sarah, courtesy of Sarah. It's of It's Me fame. And <laughs> when we get back, be prepared for 10 years later. There's more, there's more Between my tongue and my teeth, we don't know. So we wait for tomorrow. We don't know. So we wait for tomorrow. We don't know. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. So Disney has said they they want to retheme uh Splash Mountain to be Princess and the Frog, uh, instead of the Song of the South theme, and and, and I'm totally get it and I'm, I'm all for it and the people that are like oh my god you can't you're, you're changing this thing it was and by the way all of those animals used to be on America's scene right. before they were on that none of the riot, almost also, half. everything at Disneyland is like old as shit it should be <laughs> new and interesting <laughs> it's time for a change come on something yeah. else yeah, I think well, I, I mean nothing else will always have that earnest special I would be much more sad about Splash Mountain's retheming if it wasn't an excellent choice I don't know if 10 11 year old movie counts as something new Michael but like it's like it's already set in New Orleans it totally makes sense I remember going on that ride for like the first time in like the early 2000s that was my first time and I was like wow I didn't know there were all these animals and song of the south this movie must be crazy I'm like no they <laughs> they cannibalized an old ride and like threw all that shit in there to weirdly make Song of the South look like it was much more raucous and big than it was. There are, yeah, it, they're, that's they're like, what's weird. That, I mean, it was never a big movie. It's like, uh, God, what's a what's a Disney movie? Brother Bear. It'd be like putting out an attraction <laughs> theme around Brother Bear. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of July 17th through 23rd, uh, I've got a recommendation. It's not a wholehearted recommendation, but it's like a movie I feel like you probably don't like without having seen it. And it's worth seeing it. Uh, 60 years ago this week, July 20th, 1960, saw the release of Jerry Lewis's directorial debut, The Bellboy which I saw come up a lot when Jerry Lewis passed away because uh, he was an asshole, but he was also kind of a genius. Now, people make fun of like, oh, the French, they love Jerry Lewis movies, and it's just him mugging and squawking and all that. And it's like, part of that, part of that trope comes from this movie, which is kind of crazy and experimental in its own way, in that it has no story. They announce it saying... This movie's not really going to have a story. Uh, it wasn't really scripted. He just sort of made it up as they went along. 
and ends up doing some just like crazy comedic shit in these weird. Sometimes they're breaking the fourth wall, and, and sometimes you know the punchline is stupid. But the fact that you could just take a film crew and a comedian and do essentially a silent film. I mean, he doesn't talk. It's just antics the whole time. And for 1960, that is like some avant-garde ahead of its time shit right there. So, uh, yeah, um, like I said, Jerry Lewis was kind of a terrible person, except that he was talented. And uh, sometimes he used that for good, and sometimes he used that to just be annoying as fuck. But, uh, I, yeah, I got to recommend The Bellboy from 1960. Just, you know, if you've never actually given Jerry Lewis a shot, try it. Maybe... Maybe you'll surprise yourself and like it. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Trouble up when you get it out of state. Need a new safe because I'm running out of space. L Ray Jetson, I'm somewhere out of space. In my two seater, she the one that I would take. We pop into the music. This is how we blew Coming in with Aston Martin music by Rick Cross, featuring Drake and uh, Chrisette Michelle off of Teflon Don. Yet another one of many, many right-wing messages in 302010. It cannot hold a candle to Donald Trump black version. I was... <laughs> listen to last week's show. I was going around humming that all day. I, I, people probably, oh, thank God I wasn't around people. They would have thought I was nuts. Donald <laughs> Trump black version. <laughs> You would just be like, what, you're talking about Kanye? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not that quitter. Welcome to 2010, everyone. July 17th to the 23rd. We got some new releases. Nightmare by Avenged Sevenfold. Uh, and we should stitch these wounds by Black Veil Bride. So somewhere out there is uh, an Ozfest waiting to happen, I guess. Um, <laughs> California Girls by Katy Perry is still number one. Uh, welcome to 2010, everyone. Our final decade in 302010s weekly. Uh, three-act saga, a little bit of bad news for you. Um, we're losing a pen, Robin Wright pen. Uh, Sean Penn and Robin Wright divorce after 14 glorious years of marriage. It's too bad. I, I don't miss and her hyphenated name. She no longer wishes. What? Oh, Princess, it's Princess's, <laughs> Princess Bride. Yeah, Did she? was she going by Very Robin lame, Wright Penn sorry. in that movie? No. No. Okay. No, she was still Robin Wright. Then this is somewhere around the time I saw her at a Rite Aid. Really? <laughs> I felt like a dick. Robin Wright Aid? <laughs> wow. Look. Oh, I can't believe it took 10 years for someone to point that out. I know. That is a Super Bowl commercial waiting to happen. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Yeah, no, I was waiting in line at a Rite Aid and uh, this pretty blonde lady with a kid walked in and she just had a really cute knit hat it was like a little crocheted hat like from love story or something and i was just sort of looking at the hat like oh that's really cute and then i realized i'm looking at her kind of too long and she sort of smiled at me and went, oh and that's robin right god damn it <laughs> no i'm and i just really wanted to be like i'm not staring at you because you're famous i like your hat <laughs> i like your hat uh and uh and and your upcoming show house of cards which surely won't have anything dramatic happen around Inception still number one at the box office in 2010, July 17th to the 23rd, and as if you listen to last week's show, I'm very happy about that. I really, I really can't impress that that enough. The most expensive, independent, ambitious studio movie we might ever see, and 
you know, the next 20 years. Mm. I think Inception is great. Uh, but some new movies out this week we simply must talk about, including Coco Chanel and Igor Stravinsky, starring yep. Mads Mikkelsen and Anna Morgulalis. Yep. It's about what it says on the label. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. I'm not calling it like The Great Affair or Fashionable Love. No. <laughs> No, it's called Coco Chanel and Igor Stravinsky. It's about Coco Chanel and Igor Stravinsky. Cool. Uh, Eduardo Gabrielini. Uh, whoa. Pipo Talpano. I should have read this earlier. Gabriella Ferrazetti. Uh, Flavio Parenti. And Tilda Swinton in I Am Love. Yeah, can't do a trailer because uh, it's in Italian. But this is uh, uh, Luca, Luca Guagino. In the beginning of, he calls it the Desire Trilogy. The last Ooh. one being Call Me By Your Name. Oh. oh, okay. This explains a lot. <laughs> I watched this movie and I fucking loved it. <laughs> Let me tell you what. If you're horny for Tilda Swinton, this is the movie for you. If you're, if you're horny for mid-century uh, like home furnishings, this is also the movie for you. <laughs> if you're horny for like a like Wes Anderson but kind of sad movie, this is the movie for you. <laughs> I love the shit out of this movie. I did not get around to this. And oh, man. Yeah, once I I had heard it was really good, and I love like when Tilda Swinton just she just is in foreign movies just. Just because she wants to work with a director, and she's worked doing, with uh, Luca Guagino a couple times now, yeah. and doing it all in Italian. Yeah, I didn't realize. Like, oh shit, that's that guy. Okay, yeah. So we're in Italy. We're having mm-hmm. an affair, and we're cooking a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie is great, and it's kind of it's um, the reason why I say like Wes Anderson is because it feels like a movie out of time. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really could not place it. And it's about a very rich Italian family who made their money off of textiles. And um, the patriarch kind of passes the business down to his son and his grandson. Um, but then it really follows Tilda Swinton, who is the matriarch of this family. And she falls in love with her son's business partner, who's a mm-hmm. chef, and also is just it. It's not much more than that. Like the movie really isn't that much more than that. But it is so gorgeous, and it is so like outside of time. Like I really could not put my finger on it until I did. I did see one shot where um, her daughter has a laptop, which kind of looks like the like clamshell mac laptops that were like super brightly colored so Hmm. still like added to the confusion of like when was this supposed to be because of course no one has a cell phone but (laughs) i loved it it was like a i I know i say this for like a lot of movies i think or some movies i know i've said this before but it was kind of like a tone poem for your eyeballs because there's just like beautiful shots of like italy in the rain and italy in the snow and like monuments with snow on it and like mid-century furniture that are just like sitting in this gorgeous house and i absolutely loved it it's a great movie. I, I cool. totally recommend it. And it is also for free on Pluto TV if that's an app that you have on your streaming device. I do. Nice. Um, All right. Well, I'm going to go back and take it out then because yay. it just ran out of time. Mm. But it sounds very soothing for right uh-huh. now. Uh-huh. 
Uh, no, it's not soothing. Is our next uh, movie? <laughs> yes, uh, Dylan Riley, Riley Snyder, Chris Marquette, uh, Syrian Hines, Jesus, uh, Kieran, Allison uh, Janey, and Ali Sheedy in Life During a Wartime. Mommy, I ran out of my clonopin. Do you have any I could have first? Of course, honey. Just go into my medicine cabinet. Do you think we could have another go at it? I'm married. Sometimes cheating can help. Everyone thinks I mock them, that I'm cruel and condescending, and it's really hard on me. I'm not sure how I missed this. Uh, another Todd Solon's joint. I, when did I stop paying attention to every movie he put out? I don't know because this is a sequel to a movie we talked about a lot, Happiness. Happiness. Uh, yeah. Fuck me. With this Katie is a Herman sequel, but with all different actors. So mm-hmm. it took me a little while to figure out, oh, wait. So she married that character. Who is that character? Oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is now played by Michael K. Williams. Wow. That's a change. <laughs> okay. <laughs> gotcha does he have a I want to fuck you in the mouth scene Uh, (laughs) yeah so I feel like it's it's a little easier to deal with than happiness Mm -hmm. which is uh, the blackest comedy in the history of everything Mm. Um, there is yeah a a lot of uh, sex crimes going on just tons of sex crimes everyone's doing sex crimes and this is about some of the fallout for that because Kieran Hines plays the character Dylan Baker played, but uh, who's a pedophile, but now he's out of prison and trying to reconnect with his family. Some of his kids don't know he's been to jail. They thought he's dead. Oh my God. (laughs) Dude, I should have looked into this more. Oh my fucking Christ. Yeah. And uh, also trying to remember uh, the character that Jane Adams played is now played by Shirley Henderson, who I didn't, realize oh that's uh moaning myrtle from the the, uh the harry potter movies and she keeps being visited by the ghost of andy who was john lovitz before (laughs) and is paul rubens now wow yeah both groundlings (laughs) i guess i guess that's true um so it's a yeah it's a weird one and uh it's uncomfortable and because it's a Todd Solon's movie, so it's always uncomfortable. Welcome to the Dollhouse is uncomfortable, and storytelling is uncomfortable, and happiness is deeply uncomfortable. Uh, and you spend a lot of time like laughing at how terrible things are. Like, yeah, Alice and Janney just telling her kids, like, oh yeah, like her like, kids like seven. Oh yeah, go get the clonopin. You can have some of my prescription medication. That's fine. Wow. wow yeah. Wow. Um, it's it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty good, but it is very much. Not for everyone, because I, I, terrible it, people are doing terrible things again. It was, Just it was not as terrible as last time. It was something I, I feel like I sort of grew out of wanting to see. As my real-life situations became more unavoidable and painful, I lost a lot of mm-hmm. <laughs> desire to watch Todd Solon's movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can identify with that. Yeah, yeah. With, with music but by I, Beck. I, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's, I, yeah, but compared to Happiness, which is so so bleak and and this is it feels like it has aged with me in in a way and that like this is we're seeing the characters maturing and their problems maturing but they're still they're still gross problems that we don't talk about you know like 
uh, sexual assault and perversion and molestation and being blind to willfully blind to the creepiness uh, around you stuff like that yeah uh, it's, it's streaming i i <laughs> if if you liked happiness and you finished therapy then yeah like during wartime <laughs> that is the worst recommend i've ever heard yeah who has finished therapy <laughs> well look it's for a very specific you have to be in a very specific mindset I, yeah it, yeah and i'm saying i rarely am nowadays but um, yeah Man, I know. I know. There's even like a, a Welcome to Dollhouse sequel sitting on Netflix, Amazon that I've never watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to get to that next though, because I did put off watching Life during wartime. I was mm-hmm. sort of like, I don't know if I need to go back to this. Well, happiness, I love it. I think it's great, but it is. It's so. <laughs> it revels in the horrors of the human mind so much. <laughs> And then this is sort of like, yeah, we're still we're still coping. We're still dealing with these really <clears throat> uncomfortable, weird topics. Okay. Um, <laughs> in, yeah. Into in much lighter fare. Yeah, hard uh, pivot. Hard pivot. <laughs> uh, feel free to change your DVDs in the worst 2010 double feature of all time. John Corbett, yeah. Bridget Moynihan, Josh Dimmel, Joey King, Selena Gomez, and Jennifer Goodwin, and Ramona and Beezus. <laughs> <laughs> The beloved classic series by Beverly Cleary. Ramona. 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 She keeps you on your toes. You are so welcome to borrow her for the next, like, ten years or so. Is coming to the big screen. (laughs) I hope you are enjoying third grade. I think you may be here a while. Man, this is weird. Uh, Oh, This came out a little too late for me to care about. I didn't even know this existed. Yeah, Yeah. I I remember when it came out, and I was... It's what it... I had time to watch this and I actively chose not to because Mm -hmm. I was very into the Ramona series when I was in elementary Mm -hmm. school. I loved it so much. And this is one of those things where I don't, I can't see a modernized version. Like I, I just, I prefer not to because I, I just have this idea in my head of Ramona and what she's like. And it was such a huge part of my reading life when I was growing up. I had the whole series and I, I just love Ramona and that character and Beverly Cleary so much. That I just couldn't bring myself to watch this, couldn't but br- I hope it's good <laughs> and I hope people loved it. You couldn't but- bring yourself <laughs> to see a movie where she might care about her MySpace profile. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I went back and looked and the first Ramona book was published in 1955. Uh, and then the next one was 68, 75, 77, 79, 81, 84. And then the last one was published in 99. So I read all of them up to obviously the the 99 version because I was in ninth grade at that point. But like, mm. but I read all of them and they're so sweet and so old timey. Mm. I just love their. I, I can't. So much. I can't get over that because I always say I feel so lucky to be part of the first generation to embrace the internet a little earlier than most people my age. But like my childhood was almost exactly the same as my dad's. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go out riding bikes. Yeah, we ride bikes. You read comics. Yeah, baseball cards. Got those too. And mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like now, every generation of kids seems to be vastly different than the one before. So those books yeah. were able to, they were all, the, these Beverly Cleary books were fucking everywhere, everywhere yeah. when I was and a little I, kid. Yeah. I, had no, I, remember, I had no idea what the time period was because like, yeah, this is childhood. I got it. it yes, exactly. Yeah. It seemed out of time. And I remember there were specific things that I had to ask my mom about when I was a child because there were like 
they had a milkman. Mm -hmm. They had a morning and afternoon newspaper. I can remember. <laughs> I can remember like asking my parents what happened to the milkman. Yeah, I was like two. We had yeah. a milkman. <laughs> they kids walked to school like who were in mm -hmm. elementary school, but and that does still happen, but it is much more rare now. Mm -hmm. And like kids would go home for lunch and then go back mm -hmm. to school. Or my job, or in, like, my job when I came home from school grade. was to disappear for the rest of the day until it became <laughs> dark outside. Yeah. Seems bizarre. I, just, I love the Ramona books too because her character was kind of like a pesty little girl who like really couldn't like, you know, control herself in school and she was kind of up to no good and everything. And I was like a huge rule follower, like goody goody. <laughs> so it was like a fun little projection it's, to it's, watch her. Yeah, yeah, I guess I felt the same way about her. And I think the weird thing about seeing this trailer is not just how much I've aged, but I always thought she was older than me. And that's holy shit she looks so fucking young <laughs> like how did yeah. i ever impress anything onto someone that young oh, i guess i was reading mm -hmm. at a young age i guess mm -hmm. yeah she's no, not the age I, I thought she was yeah i have to admit i, I didn't watch this either but the reviews were actually pretty solid good um, saying that like they they capture the spirit of the book they don't do that like this ain't your mama's ramona but this has to <laughs> appeal to today's kids word leap I'm going to dab, bah, you know, <laughs> something that just dates it super yeah. bad that, that they kept it pretty, you know, homespun and sweet. I'm not sure when it's set or if it's just sort of like vaguely whenever. Hmm. Um, but yeah. And I like that, you know, they, they actually do some stuff with effects. So it's like when she's climbing on something and she looks down and she imagines like a giant canyon and then you see the giant canyon which is like i kind of prefer that in my imagination just like it's in her imagination but okay if this gets kids into the books now then fine but yeah the reviews were a lot kinder than i was expecting so that's good yeah, let us know you got little kids uh yeah let us know if they like ramona and Beezus. yeah it's bizarre even the clips from the trailer are like from the cover of the book and it it's so strange. It's just so bizarre. Why did they wait so long to adapt this? Like, this was all over the place when I was a little kid. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Did Beverly Cleary put up a fight? Because it's not her estate you're dealing with. It's her. No, she is She's... still kicking. Really? I love her so much. 104. Yep. What the fuck? Are you She's kidding me? Awesome. <laughs> Holy shit. There's probably an interview out there with her. Uh, I wonder if she's got to have said it's something to get herself canceled. Somewhere. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the last thing she wrote was in 2005. Um, no, I'm sorry. That was a, a collection of, I think, looks like previously written stuff. But Ramona's World was the last Ramona book in 99. I think that was the last one that she wrote. And that was the partial basis wow. for this movie. Yeah. Huh. Oh, it looks like there was a Ramona TV series with Sarah Polly really? in Canada. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So huh. weird. Uh, and this, the next movie has the Ugh. distinction of being the only movie I've ever seen through two airplane seats with no sound. I was trying to get work done. but That is the way to watch this <laughs> I, one. <laughs> I could not look away and I thought I was like, I don't imagine getting more enjoyment out of whatever this is. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, she would tell Elijah Floor. Did I get his name right? Yeah, uh, yeah that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Liev Schreiber. Um, Your twin. A twin? No, no, I'm much fatter than him now. Uh, Angelina Jolie in Salt. Today, a Russian agent will kill the president. The name of the agent is Evelyn Salt. My name is Evelyn Salt. Then you are a Russian spy. Somebody is setting me up. Salt! 
You got me. She had the drop on me. Why didn't she shoot? You think everyone's who they say they are? Assault. <laughs> what a silly this title. Movie is- <laughs> An assault to my Hey! Not the pun I was expecting. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> hold on. I have to see if the website whoissalt.com is still working. Please tell me more about <laughs> I the I love pun. that. <laughs> I think I first saw this on a plane, too, actually. But I did rewatch it for today. I, I remember and... being, it was a, a visually nice. I, I did, couldn't listen to any dialogue, but I'd look up. I'm like, that's a pretty cool action sequence. Well, the story of this, right, is that this was originally written for Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. but at the time, like, Angelina Jolie was, like, on this trajectory of this, like, semi-self-managed career. Like, like just this um, unbelievable ascent for, like, a lady actress who seemed to take take a shine to, like, either political movies or serious fucking action. Uh, mm-hmm. This is what Angelina Jolie preferred to do. And I, I admire her for that. But uh, I don't know. Like, it's. I guess you wouldn't probably make this movie nowadays unless it was based on a pre-existing property. Yeah. Well, that's what I kept wondering to myself: was this based on was it? a comic book, graphic novel, something? Because it kind of felt that way, and the way that it was set up at the end, they definitely wanted to make more salts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would you For have sure. called the sequel? Pepper, obviously. No. Saltier. No. The answer is salts. There's more of them. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so yeah this it's a well-made movie it's mm-hmm. i i was about to jump on the joke and you said it, it looks nice and i was gonna say no it looks noise because it's directed by philip noise <laughs> <laughs> who knows what he's doing he did you know like clear and present danger and uh stuff like that but um oh dead calm i like dead calm but it's not great. Like, it looks good, but it is really dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. It's one of these where, like, when you get to the end, you're like, wait, that was your evil plan? Mm-hmm. Well, then most of what you did did not further that evil plan. It made it harder for your evil plan to work. Why would you do mm-hmm. that? And the it turns out the term, the Robert Reber term I wanted to use earlier was law of economy of characters, which means... Mm. Movie budgets make it impossible for a film to contain unnecessary characters. So if there is a name actor who hasn't really done much, mm-hmm. oh, he's the bad guy. Right. And in this movie, there are only two options. Which one do you think is the Russian sleeper agent? Chiwetel Ejiofor or Liv Shriver? Mm-hmm. Liv Shriver now, seems more likely. It would be way more interesting if it was Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yes. But no, of course not. Of course not. Yeah. I don't. Th- I don't think it's, Russian uh, Russia has evolved enough to to, to have no, black that, agents. Yep, that would be pretty cool. But yeah, like it's got neat action in it, so it is mm-hmm. sort of like a Sunday morning hangover movie, mm-hmm. and that you yes. can just sit there and not think too hard. But uh, it's also I weirdly just, boring. I, I wish the script were better. Yeah, yeah, it's just weirdly kind of boring but while if, also having great action. I don't know. It was the yeah, perfect movie for, for no sound, drafting because... emails, and looking up during action sequences. Yeah, exactly. Don't pay yeah. attention until mm-hmm. there's like a cool chase and a fight. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, why why don't I like the script? Oh, it's written by the guy who did Equilibrium and Ultraviolet. Yeah, screw that guy. I don't like that guy. Mm. And it's it's it, it did better than I would have thought it would. For a movie I've never heard anybody express any praise for. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it tripled its budget. Angelina Jolie's a bona fide worldwide movie star. It's just odd. We 
10 years ago, like they, you didn't immediately think of this as a franchise thing. Nothing is lined mm-hmm. up. Are you kidding? Uh, but yeah, on a hundred million dollar budget made, a, made almost three, 300 million. I don't, I don't see yeah. why it stopped there. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, so much of it, it seems like it's a cool spy on the run mm-hmm. thing where it's like, Oh, this Russian guy comes into the CIA and says like, Oh, Angelina Jolie, the CIA who's in the CIA she's she's a plant she's a spy she was part of like the black widow program where they raise kids from birth to be infiltrating spy type people and then she goes on the run because well both you know they're after her now and she thinks like oh no this is the cia's or the russians are gonna go kill my husband now so she's just trying to go protect her husband Mm. or is she and then the twists and turns are all like really dumb yeah and like, it was at the box office yeah. overshadowed by Inception and also overshadowed that year at the Academy Awards where it lost its only Oscar nomination mm, to Inception. But... Sound mixing. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's okay. exactly what it, it should be. The, yeah, very thing, are... the very thing I didn't engage with. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I do there love are, that. There are some good action scenes, though. Yeah, for that's, real. It's yeah. a bummer. Yeah. The, the rest of the movie is really dumb. I, uh, I do love the part where... <laughs> There's a whole part of the story of her like infiltrating things, double, triple crossing, whatever, where they dress her up like a man for a little while. <laughs> yeah. It's like, look at that gorgeous boy over there. <laughs> that guy to be has like cheekbones for days. Yeah. 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 And the- also too, and I don't bring this up very often, but I do get very bothered by um, mm. hardcore action sequences with women who are reed thin, mm. who are like <laughs> Beating up gigantic men. I just I have a hard time suspending my disbelief, which is why I liked Haywire so much. Yeah. yeah. Angelina Jolie's wrist would snap on my chest where she'd throw a limp wristed punch at it. She's yeah. just too tiny. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just pretend like they have gymnast strength. You know? <laughs> all right. All right. They got if that they... super, super lean muscle. It's just that. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. That's the only way to explain it. Well, salt, baby. That is out. Um, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't know anybody who said anything positive about Salt, even though like the reviews aren't. They're, they're not over the moon, but they're not bad either. Yeah, and, like I said, it's it's fine to just mm-hmm. like if it, it's it's exactly the kind of thing that it's a Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. and you just turn on the TV and it's on. Mm-hmm. Hey, you can watch it. Yeah. And uh, moving to television. Oh, Steve, did you have more on Salt, Steve? <laughs> Steve, like, Steve, Steve has opinions. Steve has he didn't like that there were trucks in it. <laughs> He's very against trucks existing. There was also a vacuum in the intro. I couldn't stand it. (laughs) (laughs) No, he doesn't care about vacuums or fireworks or thunder or nothing. But really, man, he he can hear that UPS truck from a mile away and he's (laughs) fucking mad it exists. I'm not fucking around. Uh, Same thing happened to my with my dog, Mac, and it was it's what did him in. Ironically, Mm. run over by a Goodwill pickup truck. Spitting my Scotty out from beneath its four tires. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Television of 2010. I Todd Solon's this whole podcast up. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, July 17th to the 23rd on HBO, we have the documentary Lucky. Yeah, this is great. What this is, is this? the documentary that HBO produced. And mm-hmm. I remember watching it because I had TiVo'd it from HBO mm-hmm. back in 2010. 2010. But it is follows um, lottery winners and how their lives Ooh. kind of play out after they win. And 
I think this is something we've all heard anecdotally, but um, a lot of them end up having more troubles after they win humongous jackpots. And hmm. it kind of follows these people to kind of see, like, what does that mean? Like, why why do so many people seem to have such bad luck after they win these huge lottery jackpots it's very interesting and it just goes into like how people spend money the type of people who may be more inclined to buy lottery tickets and then how they spend money after they get these huge well, jackpots it's very if you're interesting. spending money if you're spending money on lottery tickets you're not good with money i was just gonna say that perhaps yeah. <laughs> yeah even though even though sometimes uh especially during tax season you get in a position like i think this is my only option to like fix this i gotta start <laughs> yeah. playing the lottery Someone has to win. Why not me? I think that was my, my hometown because promotion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no way out of this. I can't. Uh, there's no retirement coming up for me. I, yeah. <laughs> I got to start playing the balls. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. I think it's a very well-made documentary though. And if, if I have not, I'm, did not have time to look to see if it was on HBO now or go or whatever, but if it is, I recommend it. Yeah, hmm. fi- my financial plan is to start playing the lottery and/or uh, pick up hitchhikers that might be millionaires in disguise. That's that's pretty much the only option I have out of, out of this, this whole debt situation. I mean, you could get lucky, and it could be John Waters. It's true. It's like it could be John Waters. The guy hasn't made a movie in twenty years. I, no, I want I want a Howard Hughes or nothing. Uh, 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 we're Melvin and Howarding. Yes. I understand. Thank you. Thank you. That is there for me. Uh, here's a reference you will get, I hope, because I don't under- understand what it is. A spinoff of RuPaul's Drag Race? RuPaul's mm-hmm. Drag U. Uh, the three-season wonder hits this week on Logo. Uh, yeah, they do makeovers. Is, okay. It's oh. it's. I was always disappointed by it because it's really just, yeah, we just drag queens do makeovers, usually of ladies. But are they are they... Have are the people the previous contenders on Drag Race? Is that the 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 hook? You can actually yeah. see more of these people, even though they can't compete again. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But yeah, I just always found it boring. Like it was more fun when they did uh, Celebrity Drag Race uh, yeah. recently, where because where they they have to get dragged up, but they also have to do like a challenge from Drag Race. Like mm-hmm. that's a lot more fun than just. Oh, let's hear someone's sob story. Okay, here they are looking really overdone and dramatic. And now they say, oh, thank you. I feel so pretty. And here you're done. I think the- I always loved the um, the competitions on Drag Race where they brought in their loved ones and then they had to like remake their loved ones. That's yeah. always super fun. I love that. Yeah, the makeover challenge is always tough because they, they have to at least like walk in heels or yes. do a dance or something. Put on pantyhose. And that's kind of what I wish Drag You was. Yeah. But I, I yeah, think, I did not dip into it. So I, I think sure. the, the only interesting, the most interesting RuPaul Drag Race spinoff at this point would probably be someone like me having to dress them. And just watching them get very, very upset. So today's wardrobe is based on a television show you liked 30 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be good at Snatch Game. Snatch Game? Oh, yeah. What? Okay. You gotta do a celebrity impersonation. Like the president? Like Sure. (laughs) Anybody. He's a grabber. His Snatch Game's pretty... All right. Um, Um... Anyway, the, in the client list TV movie comes out. What is this? Jennifer Love Hewitt, Teddy Sheridan, and Sybil Shepard. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a TV movie based on a true story of a woman who was in such desperate straits, she started working at a massage parlor that did 
other things. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And then uh, it became a TV I show for two seasons. There's a way ooh. to make it all go away. That's what I made today. Holy sugar. I'm not proud of it. It's amazing what you're capable of saying yes to. How could you have done all those things with those men? Rex, please just look at me. I can't look at you, Sam. Are, are we talking? Uh, are we talking the full Monty or han- Handy Wandies? <laughs> I' not sure. I think it's just the Handies. Okay, but there might be more. I don't know. I just know Jennifer Love Hewitt has like. I guess she's supposed to be from Texas because she got big old hair, uh-huh. but it's like. It's like so overdid that it's like, wait, this overdid. is you as like down on your luck mom. <laughs> you spend an hour and a half on your hair every day, <laughs> honey. I have a suggestion. Maybe don't do that. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, this is a lifetime movie. Yeah. If that kind of gives you the tone of what we're looking at here. And it's like, it was based on a true story of like a 2004 prostitution ring in Odessa, Texas. And it's mm. just a woman, like a mother who was, you know, pushed to her brink and had to turn to prostitution in order to take care of her children because capitalism. Yeah. yeah. I, I am not, I am not sure how well publicized it's been, but it is truly bizarre right now how many people i have connections to that are only surviving through things like only fans during mm-hmm. this mm. and that movie will be hopefully written in 10 years when things are better in lifetime uh but yeah uh shit yeah shit gets real yeah. as a male i have nothing profound to say about this because i'm the guy making all this happen uh, <laughs> <laughs> apologies uh, games of, of 2010. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this with my video game apocalypse boys. Uh, on, if, if you've been listening to me for as long as I've been recording, uh, 10 years ago, a podcast I was doing got its very, very first sponsor or video game sponsor. And that would be our Fantasia, a game. We were very excited to have our first advertiser on. So we talked about it and overproduced these ads for six weeks. That's all <laughs> I know about it. It got a six out of 10. Uh, on July 21st, iPhone Castlevania Puzzle Encore of the Night. That's what happened to the Castlevania series. I'm sure my boys will have something to say about that. And Limbo Ooh. is now 10 years old. Kind of um, the undying indie darling um, that sort of... I'm tired of seeing fucking rehashes of Limbo. But I loved it at the time. Uh, and yeah, just wanted to thank you all so very much for listening. You better stay tuned and not dip out. Because not only we get some plugs in, but... Uh, there's a, there's a birthday. We'll tell you who died during this period in a birthday quiz. I bet a bunch of you have never even heard that shit. A quiz you can play. Uh, but I got to say, once again, this show is executive produced by uh, fine people like Eric Carlson and many other fine folks at patreon.com slash time supporting the whole Laser Time Network. Uh, I cannot wait. I'm pretty sure it's not the Eric Carlson I went to school with and had a crush on in like fifth grade. Um, Ooh, but what if it is? You want me to shoot him an email? this is his way to reach out to you. Yeah. He spells it differently, though, and that um, one I think lives in China now. Okay. All right. Uh, officially, yeah. all Diana stalkers have to go over the hundred dollar a month tier. That is the <laughs> only way I'll let that continue. And <laughs> and uh, and you can we'll have a new video game episode for you over there, as well as new sick of Star Wars, new bonus times. Things are getting really crazy on bonus times because um, we try and keep these shows focused. Don't laugh. Because uh, there's a lot of rage that comes out on bonus time these days. Uh, and and you can check that out. Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Just for five bucks, uh, we'll give you a bunch of extra shit, including over 100 full-length movie commentaries and some exclusive stuff and hopefully more to come. Uh, Di, where can people find you? 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at listenanerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast, and you can listen to me guesting on a couple other podcasts right now. Uh, the Bad Reading Podcast, uh, I went on, and they read me some psycho fan fiction that was uh, awful, but I was recording <laughs> the moment I found out I was an aunt, so that Aww. was, that was fun kind of captured it and also the heroes three podcast about asian cinema where we're talking about wing chun which if you love crouching tiger you have to watch wing chun mm. it is so good mm. yes well i also guested on something that should be coming out soon this week i was on the live from the pool house podcast all about the fresh prince of bel-air with our friend tl what up, and i don't guest on anything because now that we are doing mostly uh Video connections, I can see how annoyed people are visibly are with me on every single show I guest on. So, <laughs> yes, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Look for Sarah <laughs> and Diana on other podcasts. I will be uh, making these worse. And uh, now with that all out of the way, we got to find out who died during this period. And maybe it was a bad tease earlier <laughs> because... Nobody! Wow. I didn't find any celebrity deaths in Bam-bam-bam. any of the three decades yeah i feel like we need a sound effect for yeah even beverly cleary <laughs> lived another <laughs> even beverly, i don't have i don't have any of my sound effects pulled up i got this one no that's the grim reaper being mad he didn't catch anyone this <laughs> Drat. <laughs> perfect no souls for dinner <laughs> <laughs> But uh, with that out of the way, we got to get to the birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, birthday, birthday quiz time! Happy fortieth birthday mm. to uh, someone born July eighteenth, nineteen eighty, outside Detroit, Michigan. She hated her first name and went by her middle name Anne all through high school. Anne, Anne all through. This, high but she's not known as Anne now. Lee Ann Rhymes. She has been a vegetarian since age 11 and majored in musical theater at NYU, but left before graduating to star as Becky Thatcher on Broadway in Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Is it Anne Hathaway? No. no I said she doesn't go by right, Anne. Right. Uh, movies of hers, uh, well, movies and TV that we have talked about is she's in Polish Wedding and she is uncredited. Oh. Hmm. Um, also, Pulse, Gossip Girl, and Heroes. Michelle Trachtenberg. Nope. I oh, guess she's, so. She's got to be younger than me. Hayden Pat- Pantaliner. No. <laughs> uh, she's also in Fanboys, Couples Retreat, and When in Rome. Oh, Kristen Bell. There you go. It's Kristen Bell. And, of course, yeah, forgetting Sarah Marshall and Veronica Mars. I'm the same age as Kristen Bell. I mean, Gossip Girl, she was the narrator, so that is that was very tricky of you. Yep, I I did that on purpose. Very tricky. (laughs) Yep, also she cries when she thinks about sloths. I love her. Uh, That's adorable. Dude, wow. Why are we closing out with this song? I just had a a thing with this. You did? Yes, just because um, Unskinny Bop is what we're closing out with by Poison. Because it it was because we had a number one during 1990 and I couldn't play it. Yeah. Again, this is one of these songs and especially a video i hold up and say and this is why grunge happened yes and I, my girlfriend's a few years younger than me and she started singing this in the car the other day and i just like wide-eyed turned to her i'm like what are you 
doing? How do you even know that? And she's like, what? Do you know what that is? No one else I know knows what that is. And like, your dad's into the, your dad was in the hair, into the hair metal thing. And, and I was like, no, that song, I remember getting a radio for like, maybe my Christmas of last year in 1989. And this is the last hair metal song I ever heard. Kind of the only new debut of a hair metal band other than like an ugly kid Joe song uh, <laughs> that was like basically a novelty tune it was and I was I remember like man I'm not sure if I like music yet <laughs> <laughs> and and I, rem- I yeah I vividly remember this debuting and it was it, yeah it was kind of the, other than something else later by Guns N' Roses this is the last time mainstream radio played anything like this uh, unskinny mm-hmm. Bob. It is it is the death of hair metal. It's in my opinion, having like yep. listened to the radio all day from this point until I could get fucking CDs. Yeah, yeah. within the next uh, six to twelve months, this kind of music will just plummet out of everyone's consciousness. Maybe that's what happens when your lyrics are placeholders. Surely we'll find something to say other than unskinny Bob here. <laughs> Uh, it's it's just such a meaningless, silly pop song. <laughs> but I don't hate it. I don't hate it. You're fine, Poison. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's catchy again. It's yeah. one of those things where it's like, oh, but it'll get stuck in your head. And uh, we try and tell you where you can find some of this stuff. Uh, we'll try and get better with that. But, uh, yes, if you'd like to see Unskinny Bop performed by Poison, uh, check your local Trump rallies. I'm sure they'll be chilling a circuit very soon. <laughs> <laughs> With that, we'll close out with Unskinny Pop by Persian. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Bye. Every time I touch you, I should get high. I want to make love, you never stop. Come up for eight.